Red Rocks Church, what's going on? Happy Friday. Thanks so much for joining with us on our very first ever Good Friday celebration. Um, our team is so excited to be able to celebrate this moment with you. Um, but I know that a lot of you maybe have never experienced or you don't know necessarily the roots behind a Good Friday celebration. What is this all about? And this celebration for us is a celebration of the fact that a little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died upon a cross for broken and sinful people. And not only that, but he went to the grave. And we're going to take a look at why the Savior of the universe, the Lord of heaven and earth, why on earth he would finalize some of the greatest moments of his time uh, in his ministry to broken people like us. Why would he finalize everything with a brutal and a terrible crucifixion? Seems like an illogical way to finalize your days here on earth, but there's great intentionality behind why Jesus did what he did. And I wanna read for us as we begin our time together from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53 verse three begins off and it says this, he, meaning Jesus, was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked away. He was despised and we didn't care. In verse four, it says, yet in our weakness, he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought that his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. Then it says, we left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And verse 11 says this, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Jesus, we just look today to the work that you did upon the cross 2,000 years ago. What an, a remarkable and illogical feat, God, that you underwent Jesus, it, was, it made no sense on, on human and earthly levels why the Savior of the world would go through such agony for such broken and sinful people. And so God, I pray that today as we look at your word and we remind our hearts about why you would die for people like me, why you would die for people like us, God, would you fill our hearts with so much hope for what is ahead? Jesus, thank you that you gave us all of the benefits of your life while you reaped all of the benefits that we deserved. We love you and we praise you. Be with us, we pray. In the mighty, precious, undefeated and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody at homes around the world said, amen.
At the same time, there's so much uniqueness to being able to sing the words, thank you for the cross. Um, for so long growing up in the church, I can remember feeling confused about why we would call this Friday celebration good. Like why call it this Good Friday? If this was the marking of Jesus dying brutally on a cross, why would we ever call this day good? Why would now 2,000 years plus after the time of Jesus' death, why would we be able to say thank you for the cross? You see, when I look at the life of Jesus, one of the interesting things is Jesus wraps up his short existence on planet Earth with really the act of one of the most brutal, difficult, disgusting, barbaric acts that was done to him. And I look at the, the story and the life of Jesus and at first glance, you kind of look at it and go like, this doesn't necessarily make sense. If I were to put pen to paper and create my own history, my own story, why would I end my life in this way? Couldn't he have done this any other way? Good Friday. How on earth could we look at the cross and say, thank you for the cross? The cross for Rome during this time was this unbelievably horrific, brutal, 
place where they would persecute and destroy and kill rebels to the cause of Rome. And this was the exact place and the exact thing on which Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Jesus was died. He died upon this apparatus. Why on earth would Jesus finish his ministry in this way? The picture of Jesus coming to bring heaven to earth, but he does it on a cross. What's interesting now is we can look, you just drive down the road, you can go to a mall and a coffee shop and you can see, see big crosses on the side of hospitals and you can see people wearing crosses around their necks and it's tattooed upon their body like the cross now is, is fills grave sites across the world, um, both of civilians and of military people. Like it is now a symbol in our cultures around the world for hope and for health and for vitality. How on earth could something that was used thousands of years ago to murder Jesus be now reflected on 2,000 years ago as something that brings hope, something that brings healing, something that brings peace? We look and it's almost like this dichotomy of views. There's one that is horrible and one that is beautiful. And I think at the same time, in the same instance, looking at the beautiful cross and the horrible cross, there's this perfect dichotomy of what Jesus wanted to paint the picture for. There was this blend and this symbol that the cross was divinely communicating an illogical exchange between God and his creation this horrible yet beautiful, this disgusting yet brilliant display of love. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, lived a perfect and a sinless life. He didn't have a blemish. Nobody could find fault in this man, yet somehow he made his way to the cross and died a rebel's death, a criminal's death. How on earth could Jesus, perfect Jesus, die in this way? And we know that, that the plans of God are perfect and true and they will find themselves true in the end. They will see themselves through to completion. This was the precise plan of Jesus Christ that he would die in this way. Why on earth would this be Jesus's plan? I love what John 4 verse 33 says. It says, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. What was the work that Jesus was sent to complete? What was the work that Jesus was sent to fulfill? Because the Bible says Jesus did fulfill that work. He said, my nourishment is to do that which God has sent me to fulfill. So a great question is, what was the work that Jesus was trying to communicate? In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Literally meaning to overflow so much life you cannot contain it all. Then the apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15 that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, I don't know about you, but for somebody with as broken of a past like me, the fact that Jesus came to save sinners, not the good people, not the righteous people, not those people that have it all together and never make mistakes and have a full 401k and have never been to prison and never been divorced, never been through hardship, but quite the contrary, Jesus came for those people, the Bible says. So if, if we can look at scripture and jump to the conclusion that Jesus came, John 10, 10 said, to bring life. And Jesus also said in 1 Timothy, the, the, the goal of Christ was that he would save sinners. Yet the Bible also says that Jesus died upon the cross. Why was the cross necessary to bring life and to save sinners? It's a beautiful, beautiful question. And the Bible tells us that in the book of John, chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus is on the cross. He's been nailed there. He's been persecuted. He's been beaten and flogged. He's been spat upon. And the Bible tells us in verse 28 of John 19 that Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. 
Not necessarily the closing scene to, to our favorite books and our favorite movies, but this was Jesus's realization that his mission and his job was now accomplished. And then it goes on in verse 30 and it says that he said at that moment, this unbelievable phrase, these three words have literally changed the course of history and the course of eternities for people all around the globe. These were the most profound three words in human history. He said, it is finished. What a definitive and a final statement. As he's hanging upon the cross, Jesus yells, some of your translations say with a loud voice in the original um, text, it says that he, he proclaimed or he yelled loudly. This wasn't a whimpering, wimpy death. Jesus died with victory and passion in his heart. And he said, it's finished. It's finished. And then it says that then he bowed his head and I love what the book of John says. It says that he gave up his soul. Friends, can I encourage you that the man that we're reflecting on today did not die a martyr. His life wasn't stripped from him, but the Bible says that he gave it freely. And at this moment, when the work was completed upon the cross, Jesus willingly breathed his last breath and relinquished his soul. He did not get his life taken from him. He was not dying a martyr. He was dying a savior, one that would give his life for sinners and broken people. Now, this doesn't necessarily seem like the most climactic way to finish this story. How on earth would Jesus have to complete this task in this way? But Jesus knew that upon the cross, the work that he came to do to bring life and to save sinners, he just did it with victory and joy and satisfaction in his heart and what appeared to the onlookers like one of the most brutal, horrific acts they've ever seen Jesus, with arms lifted above his head, said, it is finished. I love this. I want to talk to you about when Jesus said it is finished, there's two things in particular that I think are so important as we reflect upon the cross. There's two things that Jesus accomplished upon the cross that were so vital and so necessary. I love what Romans 3.23 says. It says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And verse 24 says, yet God, I love that, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Friends, the first thing that Jesus did upon the cross is he freed us from the penalty of your sin and of my sin. Not only your past sins, but also the sins which you will commit. Can I let you off the hook? You're gonna make mistakes. And Jesus says, I wanna cover those sins. The Bible says that Jesus is a just God meaning that wrong things that happen, the wrong deeds that you commit, that there needs to be penalty for it. There needs to be a price that's paid for it. Yet he also realizes that in and of our broken self and our broken humanity, you don't have the power to live a perfect life. You don't have a, the power to live a sinless life. So Jesus says, I'm gonna do what only I can do. I'm gonna take on the cross and I'm gonna free you from the demands and the burdens and the penalties of your sins. Friends, we all have sinned and fallen short of the standard of God's glory. Yet the Bible says that what Jesus did is he paid the price to free us from the penalty of our sin. Imagine your heart right now is in debt because of all of the horrible acts you've committed. Jesus says, I'm gonna pay for that debt in full. And just FYI, if you need more money down the road, I'll pay for that also. I'm gonna pay for it in full. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. I love what Hebrews 8:12 says. It says, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Friends, can I encourage you as we reflect back on the cross of Jesus Christ, that when he thinks about you, he doesn't think about you and remember all your past sins. He's not looking at you going, I, I remember what you did. 
Remember just a few months ago? Remember last night? Remember the argument that you just had? The Bible says that when Jesus forgave us, he forgave our sins holistically and completely, and he remembers our sins no more. That is good news. So for those of you walking around carrying your shame and carrying your burden, let this reminder of the cross help you free yourself from those burdens. I don't know about you, but when I pay off a, a, a debt, when I pay off a bill, I don't think about it anymore. I don't think about the bills that I've paid off. I don't think about my electric bill that's been paid. I forget about it. Can I encourage you? That's what Jesus wants you to do with your sin. If somebody comes and they pay for your bill in the nick of time, you don't remember the bill. You remember the person and your heart is full of gratitude. Your heart is full of thanksgiving. Can you remember in the midst of your sin, not the penalty of your sin and the burden of your sin, but can you remember the one that paid your bill? Friends, the first thing that Jesus completed upon the cross is he freed us from the power and the penalties of our sins. When he said it's finished, he meant it's paid for in full. So forget about it. The second thing that he did is he, he, he removed and he finalized the fear of death for every person that would put their trust in him. I don't know about you, but just about every single sin that I enter into, when I fall, when I make mistakes, almost every single one is rooted in a fear ultimately of death. When I fear lack, if I take that to the furthest extreme, really what I'm afraid of is I'm gonna be in so much lack that one day I'm gonna be in so much need that I'm gonna die. So many of us are afraid of death because we don't know what's gonna happen to us afterwards. We, we don't know what this God is gonna be like, what he's gonna think about us when we get to that point. And Jesus says, I wanna eliminate your fear of death and the here and now, and I wanna uh, free you of what my opinion is gonna be of you at your time of death. Romans 5.17 says that for the sin of one man, meaning Adam, caused death to rule over many. I love this, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it and will live in triumph over sin and watch this, and death. You will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. Friends, Jesus, when he died upon the cross, he removed the burden of the fear of the unknowns of death. He wanted to make it abundantly clear what was gonna happen and what our future hope is. I love Hebrews 2 verse 14. It says, because God's children are human beings made of the flesh and blood, the son of man also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power over death. Verse 15 says that only in this way could he set free all those who have lived their lives, listen, slaves to the fear of dying. Friends, when Jesus died upon the cross, he wanted to ease your heart about the unknowns of death. He wanted to ease your burdens about the fear that you've lived under slavery under, about the unknowns of the future. And what's beautiful is that the Bible says that why Jesus died wasn't so that we wouldn't fear death in the here and now, but that we would be expectant about a life to come when you die, trusting in Jesus Christ and the work that he did upon the cross. The Bible says that death is just the beginning of a life that will extend for all eternity. John 3:16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave him as a gift that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal or everlasting or, or ever extending life. Friends, when you put your faith in what Jesus did upon the cross, death is only a momentary pause in your life in eternity. When Jesus died upon the cross, he finalized and finished the power of sin over your life and over my life. And he finalized and he finished our fear of dying. 
I wanna encourage you. The Bible says that the way that we partner in what Jesus did and we can benefit from what Jesus did upon the cross is by putting our faith, our hope, and our trust in what he did upon the cross. When Jesus hung there and he said, it's finished, he meant the burdens you carry are done if you can trust that what I did is enough. The book of Romans in chapter 10, verse nine, it says that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, meaning, meaning that he reigns above it all, that he's over everything, that he's the boss, that he is in control. And if you believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead, you will be saved. Meaning you don't have to worry about the penalty of your sins anymore. He's wiped them and removed them as far as the east is from the West. He remembers them not. And no longer do you have to live under the fear of dying, the fear of the unknown of what happens when my days are done. And here's one of the most beautiful passages to me in scripture, John 10, 28. This is Jesus saying, I give them eternal life. Friends, he wants to extend that to you. If you've never put your trust in him, and it says this, and they shall never perish. Your death is just a moment. It's the starting point of your eternal life with him. And then he says this, no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Can I encourage you that this free gift from Jesus that he did upon the cross isn't contingent upon how good you are. It's not contingent upon how clean your life has been and how good your deeds are. It has nothing to do with that. All that it has to do is what Jesus did for you upon the cross. That's why when we think back to what he did 2,000 years ago, it is a good Friday that we remember, not a horrible Friday. It is a good Friday because what Jesus got that was horrible, he gave to us what was beautiful. We got which he deserved, and he gave us the gift that only he deserved. Friends, this was an illogical exchange. The Bible says that when you put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus, that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness or the rightness or the right living, not of your own life, but of Jesus's life. For some of you, that will be the greatest gift your soul has ever received is a gift of a new start, a new life, a new beginning, clean again. And what the Bible says is forever. If that's you and you're listening to this and you've never placed your hope and your trust in Jesus, what happened 2000 years ago on a Friday the thing that made that Friday good, Jesus wanted to extend that gift to you too. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, you don't have to clean yourself up. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If that's you at every home with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you say, man, I, I, I never knew this. I never knew what made this Friday good. I never knew what Jesus really was trying to accomplish upon the cross. Can I tell you, this is your moment to receive this free gift from Jesus. It cost him everything, but it costs us nothing but our trust and our faith and our hope that what he did extends to me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to encourage you to do something. I know that you might just be sitting in your living room or a bedroom, wherever you're watching this from. Would you just, if that's you and you want to receive this free gift, would you just lift up a hand? If you're watching online, you can push the raise a hand button to just let us know that you're making this decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that this is a defining moment that the, the faith that you place in Jesus would change your life forever. No longer do you have to live under the weight of your sin. No longer do you have to live under the fear of the unknown of what is ahead, but today you get the hope of eternal life and forgiveness, complete forgiveness for your sins. Jesus, I wanna pray for every single person that's never placed their faith and their hope and their trust in you. God, they've done their whole lives their own way, their own plans, their own agendas. God, I pray that this 
weekend, that tonight, a Friday night, or whenever they're watching this would be a definitive night, a marking time in their personal history, that today they invite you, Jesus, to be the Lord of their life. And for the first time, they believe that what you did upon that cross was enough for them. It was enough for their sin and their circumstances and their situation. And today, God, we invite eternal, everlasting life. We know, God, that when we die, we don't have to live under the fear of death. But death for us is just the beginning of a life together with you for eternity. Death is a gift when we put our faith, our hope, and our trust in you, Jesus. We pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I just want to celebrate you. If you just made this commitment for the very first time, what an unbelievable decision that you made. That is why Friday is now good. That the Friday that Jesus died, it was such a gift to you. So we celebrate that. That's what this is all about. If we can be of resource, please, if you're watching online, jump in the comment section. We got pastors waiting. Would love to get you resources to help you on your way. As you remember today, this really, really, really good Friday. We're getting ready to go into another song. And after that, we're gonna take communion together. And I'm gonna explain that for us. But this is a great time for you to get that ready. We're gonna sing this song and I wanna encourage you, wherever you're watching this from, whatever you're going through right now, can you reflect on the goodness of the cross of Jesus Christ, that he came and what he finished on the cross was his goal all along. He had you in mind. Let's worship and remind our souls why Friday was so, so good. He washed it white as 
Jesus crucifixion the Bible says that he and his disciples celebrated something called the Passover and they shared a meal together and at this time we're gonna do so together so if you would you can get your communion whatever that might look like for you at home right now Jesus sat with his disciples and it's interesting in some of his final moments with his disciples he didn't give them a teaching or a lesson or a sermon he he gave them a meal and the Bible tells us that the reason why Jesus did that wasn't just to help communicate the purpose of his death, but that it was also to communicate the entire purpose of his life. That really when we take communion together, we're reminded of the work and the life of Jesus Christ, the mission of God for humanity. And I wanna read to you this passage out of Luke verse 22. This is Jesus' story about taking communion with his disciples. And it says that he's speaking to his disciples. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This was just the night before he died. Verse 17 says, then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. Verse 18 says, for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In verse 19, he says, and then he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you would, let's take this bread together for us as wafers, whatever you're, you're partaking this communion with. And God, we just thank you today. We bless this. We give you thanks that your body was broken on our behalf and that the work that you did is not a work that is to come or a future work, but it is a work that was completed there on the cross. Let's take this bread together.
Thank you, Jesus. In verse 20, it says, and likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you. And then he says, it's the new covenant, meaning I'm starting a brand new standard of relationship with you. The ways that we've done things, the ways that you've measured your righteousness and the ways that you've interacted with me in the past, those are changing and stuff is gonna change because of the work that I'm gonna do on the cross. No longer will you relate to me on the basis of your right standing. No longer will you have to pay for your own sins and punish yourself and pay the penalty that is due for your sins. That's changing because of my blood that I'm gonna shed for you, this juice. This wine is a symbol of Jesus's blood that it was gonna change the relationship that you get to have with Jesus and I get to have with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that was shed for us that changed how we can relate to you and be known by you. Thank you, God, that when you see us, you see us covered in your son's righteousness. You don't see us based upon our broken and sinful and dirty deeds. Today, Jesus, we thank you for your blood. Let's partake of this together. Jesus, we thank you for this moment, a moment to remember you by communion. God, your disciple Luke and the apostle Paul encourage us to do this frequently. Do this as often as we can to remember the work that we're doing. And God, I pray that this, for, for so many people, tens of thousands of people watching around the world, that this time of communion would be the first of many that they share together in their homes as they reflect upon the goodness of the cross of Jesus Christ. God, now as we sing, my prayer is, would you just remind our heart of the goodness of what you have done, the goodness of this act of remembering Jesus. We pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Let's worship. this time with a, a personal love song to Jesus so that we can just make space for our hearts to be broken again by the beautiful sacrifice, the agony of the cross. So we want to make it personal. We want to bring it to a personal level. So if you need to close your eyes and just let the words of this next song just wash over you. Let these words help you sit in what he did for you, the sacrifice that gives us hope. So Jesus, we love you. May we never grow numb to your sacrifice.
Thank you. Thank you that this celebration marks for us 
the pinnacle of where human joy is found. God, that nobody has ever cared for our lives and our souls like you. Jesus, the grace that you gave to us is, is a gift that was undeserved. It can never be earned. It wasn't by our own works that we were saved, but it was by you, Jesus. And God, I just pray that tonight as we're watching this in homes around the globe, God, would you remind us of the goodness of Jesus Christ that no one has ever, could ever, will ever care for us like Jesus. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody said, I want to just say thanks so much for joining with us this weekend. We're just beginning on a long list of celebrations. And one of the cool things is a little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus on a Friday night was dead. People thought that their hopes were dead. They thought that their, their teacher was dead. They thought that their future was dead. And, and, and what we know now standing on this side of history is that Friday didn't define the existence and the life and the story of Jesus Christ, but there was gonna be a Sunday. And that Sunday was gonna be wrapped in the victory of God for humanity. And so this weekend as a church, we're gonna celebrate like you haven't celebrated before, the victory of Jesus Christ liberating the human souls for all of eternity. And so this is gonna be an amazing celebration. You're not gonna wanna miss out. We don't sit in the crux believing that our teacher is dead. We know that we have a risen savior in Jesus Christ. And so with expectation, this Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we wanna encourage you, join in with us, invite a friend, because we're going to celebrate not a historic Jesus, but one that is living and reigning and inviting us into his life with him. We love you guys so much, and we look forward to seeing you at Easter at Red Rocks Church.